0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: And we are back after a maybe a little longer hiatus than initially planned. Had a little COVID scare last week that it was a false positive, uh, pleased to announce, but it sort of set the entire week back. So we had to push. The Michigan Basketball Insider back one week, but but glad to be back with my good friend, former Michigan standout, uh, former NBA center. Certainly now you see him when it comes to Pistons broadcast, when it comes to college basketball analysis, uh, you know, over on the, uh, you know, over with ESPN. He does it all, wears a lot of hats, even with the NBA Players Association as well. I'm talking about Tim McCormick. Tim, how you doing, my man? I, I am well, and I'm glad to be back on the podcast. How's your life? How's your family
0: and the show? I, I need an
1: update. <laughs> yeah, man. It's uh like I said, last week was a harrowing experience. But once I got my family tested after the initial after that that false positive, which, you know, the <laughs> those those rapid tests, it's really going to be interesting in, in college football. And I imagine college basketball as they test the student athletes every day. These these tests these rapid tests they have been known to have a uh, false positives. Now the Big Ten backs it up with a with a PCR test, which is the more sensitive and more accurate test, but it takes a couple of days for that to for you to get the results from that. And what that means, though, Tim, is if you test on a game day and you get a a, a positive, some guys are going to miss some games as a result. Now it's going to wind up getting com- you know confirmed as a false positive, but still. It's going to cause them to miss some games. And I think that's just one of the things that we have to be okay with. But back to me, once my family's test came back negative and then I was able to go in and get mine, life was great, man. Whole new perspective <laughs> one I'm, week from the next as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah, I, I'm really happy that, that you're healthy. And I'm so happy for football to return for, for a lot of reasons. I can't wait for Minnesota. I'm excited to see the freshmen. It's the Joe Milton era and and I and I do think that that a lot of the excitement I'm feeling relates to the basketball season and the reality of having a season. I, I think it really impacts the basketball players a lot to see their buddies on the football team that, that have a chance to have a season.
1: Yeah, man, I mean, I'm I'm curious because I think that our discussions in the summer really forecasted how the fall was going to unfold i said it before on this podcast you were the first person that i heard sort of lay out that the football season is going to be either postponed or canceled it's going to be pushed back basketball season is going to start in november Uh, it's going to start in a pseudo bubble around thanksgiving because college basketball programs are going to have the campuses to themselves. You nailed that. I can't say it enough. The first person that I heard and make that prediction and it wound up coming true. Now that football is is going to be back in the in the flow of things across the country, of course, not yet on the West Coast, uh, but you can see this collective spirit sort of lift as far as fan bases are concerned. Uh, even on campuses where going through a lot, a lot of quarantines elsewhere, but it just seems to be this buzz, this extra pep, this this pickup, this this sense of at least a little bit of normalcy, Tim, that has kind of taken hold and it is refreshing. And I wonder if you think that, you know, the, the basketball guy, sounds like you do, that basketball is going to feed off of that a little bit.
0: There is absolutely no doubt. The players on the basketball team can now see a path to game time. If football is playing, basketball is going to play too. They're friends with a lot of the football players. And until the, the the football team was reinstated, I think it created a funk over the entire athletic department. And the natural feeling for Michigan basketball was uncertainty. And now that's gone. They can focus on, on getting ready for a season. and And also, on Monday, last Monday, the coaches are now able to, with the timeline established from the NCAA, they get eight hours per week with each player. Now, skill development is good. You know, shooting with a manager, doing some drills, That that's, that's fine. But being able to scrimmage and actually play basketball thrills the players, especially <laughs> in the fall, especially for the freshmen. Each player is looking for normalcy. And, and I want to take you back in time to put it in perspective. March 8th, 12 o'clock college park, Michigan lost to Maryland. Sam, that was 199 days ago. Wow. Yeah. Franz had 15, and he's <laughs> had no basketball for seven months. And so I think that, that the basketball games are a catalyst. It's great news for everybody and they're taking it very, very serious. I, I know that every fall I like to go and watch a practice. I want to watch a couple practice, watch a scrimmage, watch the, you know, individual ward, check out the freshmen. <laughs> Sam, those doors are locked. You can't get in. <laughs> there are no outsiders. Ward Manual laid down the hammer and said, no outsiders. So, you know, I, I am, I'm very, very fired up for the season though.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess my one, my one concern, it has nothing to do with health, but we keep you know, another day, another week passes. I see these NCAA waivers for immediate eligibility being processed left and right across sports, football and basketball. And I keep wondering, it, what in the heck is the holdup when it comes to Sean D. Brown? I mean, it's—I I don't know why the timeline for that is elongated. I don't sense, when I talk to people in the program, any uh, any less optimism about it happening, but it's taken a taken a long time, Tim, and I, I, I'm i sticking with you on this because your other predictions have come true. You, you We just talked about how you said, hey, football is going to be postponed. Basketball is going to start in November. You also said the NCAA is going to be lenient when it comes to these waivers for immediate eligibility, and we have seen that be the case in Seemingly more instances than I can remember in past years, just not yet with Shawnee Brown. So I'm hoping that that happens sooner rather than later.
0: Sam, I make a lot of predictions that are wrong. This is not <laughs> one of them. Sean D. Brown will play for Michigan this year, and the um, the the image that I want to share. Imagine like a like a like a cartoon, um, a political cartoon, or you know something something that that shows an NCAA officer sitting at his desk and his inbox is about eight feet high and the outbox box has nothing in it. I think they're so overloaded with everything else and there's still plenty of time for the season. And I also think that Michigan was a little bit slow in getting his appeal in. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think that's going to be any problem at all.
1: Right, yeah. It's That's the not necessarily a um you know a sign the timing not necessarily a sign of of things not looking good. i remember it taking a while for shea patterson's waiver to be mm-hmm. filed. Yep. It, it was uh right. it was a very long they were deliberate in putting things together to submit so i'm sensing and uh you know kind of expecting that that's the that's the deal here and sticking with my man tim mccormick who Made that prediction. I think you're going to go three for three as far as uh, college basketball in Michigan are concerned. Uh, Tim. Uh,
0: You know what? They're being understanding of the fact that we need things to talk about in our summer and fall (laughs) podcast. So (laughs) that could be our lead story in a couple of weeks.
1: Well, uh, what are the things that we we talked about a few weeks back? Uh, You made reference to how successful the NBA's bubble has been. It's been a spectacular accomplishment, a model by which others are measured uh, but the other leagues deserve some credit too baseball after a rough start it's gotten things together football doing a a really good job haven't seen uh positives come through there but the NBA uh set the standard and then when you look at the at the games Tim the you, you watch those games and the way the the setup is you feel like you feel like it's a game like it's like nothing's different i mean up to seeing the the you know the the kind of fake people in the stands it you get the feeling that you're watching a game not affected by the the pandemic that's that's not the case with the other sports i want to credit the nba for that and the action uh the playoffs the outstanding performances that we've seen i have just been thrilled with the execution that we've seen from the NBA you you want a sense of normalcy I feel like these playoffs that we've seen have been some of the more exciting playoffs uh, on on record from this standpoint the number of guys who have emerged as big time performers it seems like we see you know someone not named LeBron James right not named uh, you know who whoever you wanna you wanna point to as a defined superstar in the league, someone not named Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler wasn't the star for the Heat the other day. You look around, and we're seeing game after game like that uh, in the NBA, and that has made it really, really fun to watch.
0: It seems like every every year, you know, late summer, early fall. I love to go to the movies. I, I go out on the boat. I read a book. I'm I'm just I'm obsessed with NBA playoffs right now. I love what they've done in the bubble. Kudos to the players. They're away from their family. They're in a hotel. It's 100 percent basketball. I'm not saying life isn't good for them. It is. But but they've also sacrificed being away in a hotel for for three months. And you're right about the quality of play. Um, You know, you see Tyler Hero have 37 last night. That's
1: what I mean. Exactly. Exactly.
0: Donovan Mitchell, Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic. um, You know, we all already knew about Luka Doncic. These guys are incredible. And I think what's happening, there are no road games for these young guys. They're completely locked in. That's a good point. And there's nobody yelling at them. You know, if last night's game was in Boston, I think the Celtics win, and Tyler Hero does not have 37 points.
1: Yeah, the, the guys that you mentioned are exactly my point. When you think Denver, normally you think Jokic, you, you think that he's the star. Suddenly Jamal Murray. Well, you know, in the last series, had <laughs> it was amazing. I mean, he had two 50 point games in in that series. It won mm-hmm. series in one series in addition to some 40 spots. Uh, and you you go in there, you think Donovan Mitchell is the young guard. That you need to look to, and here Jamal Murray emerges. You mentioned Hero last night. It's like, man, what? <laughs> and and yeah, this was yeah. this is after us during the regular season, talking about how amazed we we were that Duncan Robinson has emerged to be this guy, be a guy for them, and now Hero goes off for thirty seven. They could he was unstoppable last
0: night. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. To see Marcus Smart knocking down threes and everybody's got a story and I, I I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and I'm, I'm starting to think that, that the Lakers to me are are really locked in, but I, I think the Miami heat can give them a battle. And I get excited when I watch
1: that team play. And I, I'm curious your, for your perspective on this, Tim, because I watch this team. Uh, it, I, I think a perfect example of how unexpected this run by them is, is, is the, the locker room, we'll call it spat or dust up for the Celtics the other day. I mean, they, it was a, uh, I mean, you're going to have arguments. You're going to have, uh, you know, sort of blowups. It's a competitive thing, right? It's, it's the profession, you know, you lose a game. You're supposed to be upset. Uh, but I, I think seeing what the heat have been able to do and who's been able to do it. That's the other thing. I mean, last night, Tim, I'm watching this game, and Hero goes off for like 11 points in nine minutes, right? And I'm saying, jump his right hand, jump his right hand, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they jump his right hand, and he <laughs> he spins left and, and hits a runner, right? You know, he 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 they they run him off a ball screen to his left, and he hits a pull up jumper. I mean, he he was doing it all, and that's the thing that is so impressive to me about that team. Jimmy Butler, bam out of bio. You you look around and, and there's guy there are guys you expect uh, to shoulder the load, and then there's always someone someone else that if you're keying on their main guys that can step up and really do it. Whether it's a guy like Duncan Robinson or last night hero, there's a it seems to me, and you can speak to this being in that environment, but it's it speaks to me about a a culture they've established down there in Miami.
0: Well, I, I, um, I have to admit my favorite team to watch is Miami and I've watched them close and I've studied the heat from the start. And I feel even better about Juwan Howard being Michigan's coach. And, and here's why look at defensively. They're diversified and well-schooled. They mix it up. They played zone the last three games against Boston against Milwaukee, they did a full denial of Giannis. They use drop coverage occasionally, but they mix it up with a hard hedge and a switch. I think they can test shots better than anybody in the playoffs. They're disciplined. Uh, they're less athletic. Guys are really smart. And remember, Juwan was their defensive coordinator mm. in Miami for his last three years. And they had a top 10 defense every year. So he'll mix it up and, As I'm watching that zone, I kept thinking, okay, this is totally an analytical approach. You're taking away the three by extending your zone, and you're protecting the rim with Bam Adebayo. I think that would work really, really well next year against Wisconsin, and I bet that Juwan was thinking about that in the back of his mind. Um, other things that I like about them, they're the best three-point shooting team in the NBA. They're the best passing team. If you watch, all of their guys can dribble, pass, and shoot. And they hit the shooter right in his shooting pocket. And they, they are are taught to find the open guy. And and that's what Juwan preaches. You know, you, you, you just pass nonstop, and you're going to get somebody open.
1: Yeah, um, you look around, and... Again, if you are look, if you're Jimmy Butler, and I, I admit to being a little, a little puzzled that that was the, that was the franchise that he wound up with. Because I'm like, man, you know, I just don't see the, the, the winning formula. It seems Tim, uh, and you've, you're, you're in the game. You're in the NBA. The winning formula seems to be you got to have at least two superstars together, right? Two, two mm. and a half superstars. And I, I'm looking around and saying, who's that guy? That is is Jimmy Butler's equal. He's not on a on a franchise that on paper where you look at it and you say there is a guy that is at Jimmy Butler's level of talent. I mean, they have some really really talented guys, but you look at it on paper and it just doesn't add up like you see it on some of these other squads. And but yet you have seen all of the the other parts sort of elevate their play, and some of them have have emerged to to have star like turns. And that to me uh is an amazing I keep talking about talking about culture and you talk about the the unselfishness that's been bred there, the work ethic that has been bred there and the commitment to the other end of the floor. That's another piece that I think can't be emphasized enough.
0: No, you're you're right. And and there's a lot of facets that I watch with Miami and I think of Juwan. Um, first of all, Bam Adebayo is is emerging as as close to being a top 5 center. Mm-hmm. He was Juwan's project and and he gets better every time he helped bring him um you know to Miami. I I think he's just spent a lot of time with him. So talent development is huge. It's a skill as a coach to be able to find the right players and develop them. Look at Kendrick Nunn, not a huge role now but he was a rookie of the year candidate. Um Tyler Hero where was he drafted? Tyler was number 13, Duncan Robinson, 55. Um, if, if you look at Bam out of Bayou 14, mm-hmm. that that's crazy to me right. that, that those players right. were found after 10 and, and you, you don't need anything else other than to watch Duncan Robinson. He's in unbelievable shape. He's improved off the dribble and and they have built his confidence. And And another thing that I think is really important and you know, one of one of my greatest heroes, uh, my dad, Bo Shem Beckler, and Pat Riley. Pat Riley was my coach in New York, and I idolized that guy. and And he had the hardest practices that I've ever seen or ever experienced. And he always said the same thing: We are going to be the hardest working, most professional, most disciplined team in the NBA. And and so that's that culture. You're talking about man. They they go hard, and everybody in the league knows that eric's bolster has long, hard practices. And it kind of reminds me of of a practice I attended in Ann Arbor. I think it was early January, and Michigan was playing Purdue on a Thursday night. So on Wednesday, I went up to watch practice. Practice was pretty late, and they went for about two hours and fifteen minutes, really hard. And I thought man, this is a bad idea. You know, Purdue is playing well. That's a tough team. Michigan's going to get worn out by this practice. And instead, Michigan won by scoring 22 in a five-minute overtime period. They wore down Purdue, same as Pat Riley, same as Eric Spolstra. That's where Juwan Howard developed this, from those guys. And, And so just everything that I see from the Miami Heat, I see in Juwan Howard, and I think we're going to continue to see it down the road.
1: Uh, it's, uh, I mean, Tim, it, it it speaks to me, and it should speak to fans. Now, I understand where I'm about to go with this. I am not saying that it's not a big deal. Uh, you know, getting five star players, it is a big deal, and Juwan is going to continue to swing for for that fence. Clearly, uh, there are five star targets that are are left on the board. I spoke to Chet Holmgren's dad, Dave, recently. Uh, One of the reasons why they're prolonging things. He said, you know, if we can't take visits here in the fall and the dead period has been extended uh, through the end of the year, he said, we're going to push to the late period so we can visit more schools, including Michigan. So he's left on the board. Efton Reed's left on the board. Charles Beriaco is left on the board. So what what I'm about to say is not minimizing the significance of adding five stars my point in looking at the Miami Heat and talking about Jimmy Butler going to a team where they there aren't at least on paper when he gets there guys that are seemingly on that level they were able to grow those guys up over time and that's why when I look at what Jawan Howard has landed on the recruiting trail to this point Tim the foundation he's laid with players that are in the 30 to 100 range. Players that are going to be here at least 2 3 years. Guys that you grow up in time and while they aren't necessarily, you know, NBA first round draft pick consideration one and done guys coming in the door, they have the sort of talent and upside where over time you can develop them into that. Again, still saying you got to get you want to go out there and get those five stars. Uh but I I definitely see a blueprint where and even John Beeline is an example of this, where you can get guys, if you can develop them, you can still be one of the upper echelon teams. And if you can get those five stars to punctuate it, man, that puts you on another level, too. Hey, well
0: said. Very well said. And and I um I saw the message boards. I re- read the the response on social media when Harrison Ingram went to Stanford instead of Michigan. He's a five star wing. Some people are concerned that Juwan can't close the deal on the five stars. I think it's ridiculous, and there's no reason for concern. I also would rather have a four-star for three years than a five-star for one. Now, I don't know about you, Sam. I never thought Ingram would choose Michigan, especially because Michigan already has Kobe Bufkin and Isaiah Barnes that can play the same position as Ingram. Now, here's the problem for Juwan. And and when you're looking at most five stars, when they choose a school, they're going to do one of two things. They're either going to go to a non-power like Stanford, where there's not a ton of competition for minutes and shots. They go there for one year and then they're off to the NBA. The other option is you want to go to the blue blood. You want to go Mm -hmm. to Duke or Carolina or Kansas or Arizona and maybe compete for a national championship and surround yourself with a lot of talent. The key for Michigan is they don't need Ingram. They have a point guard in Frankie Collins, right? And they've got wings like Bufkin and Barnes, and they've got Will Shetter at the four. They need a five. They don't need Harrison Ingram. They need Chet Holmgren, you know, number one player. I I wouldn't be surprised to see him go to Michigan um, but he's probably more favored to go to Minnesota, right? Stay at home. Um,
1: I, I think I, I actually, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens with their head coach. I, I kind of like Gonzaga there, uh, mm-hmm. based on their their track record for the 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 kind of player that that Chet is. I mean, you you think most recently probably Killian Tilly would be uh, the one that I I think of that that long skilled guy because his. <laughs> It's right funny. yeah it's, it's funny his dad is like hey man they keep calling my son a five uh because he's a seven footer but he said you know his, his game he's I w- a three right exactly his game is like <laughs> hey he wants to be able to be featured uh in a way where his his skill set his unique skill set is is utilized he has a, a a teammate who probably won't be there if he were to go to gonzaga and and Jalen Suggs, who's a, a five-star. So I, I I like them, but, again, Michigan with a puncher's chance there if they get him on campus like he plans to be uh, sometime in the winter or spring. But you got the other fives that you're talking about, Efton Reed, a five-star big man, really interested in Michigan, Charles Bediaco, Michigan in a, in a very good position with him, uh, Canadian guy. Uh, you know, they're, they're still a five-star wing in Caleb Houston that – you know, it's very close with with Charles that in Michigan is trying to work that angle. So there are still some irons left in the fire. I, I understand how how it can get frustrating. I guess the perspective that I keep with it, uh, you know, Tim, and we've talked about this many times before, I'm comforted by the fact that Juwan isn't putting all of his eggs in that basket. It'd be different. If he only went after five stars and he lost him and Michigan was left with nothing, right. but he's gone after five stars. He's missed on a few even. And I guess we got to count Isaiah Todd as a miss, even though he got a commitment from him, uh, but he he's missed on a few, but still wound, wound up with some really, really talented pieces to build his program around. So, you know, the, the five stars to me are the, the, the punctuators, the, the guys that, that come in and put you over the top, the the other guys are the guys that sustain your program, the guys that mm-hmm. sustain and teach your culture. So he's getting that piece, the foundation piece is laid. Now it's just a matter, can he get just that one? You don't have to get, you know, five, six of them. You just got to get one, and he's in on enough where I think, Tim, I think he's going to get that one, and I think he's going to get them sooner rather than later.
0: You said a lot here, and I want to comment on some of them and add some other information or some thoughts. Um, so I, I keep thinking if Michigan could get Chet Holmgren on campus for a football game in the Big House, somehow I think that would help so much. And I don't know if there is an absolute ban where recruits cannot come to a game, um, but if, if you know if they if they paid for themselves to come to campus. And see a game, I think that would be huge. Um, Efton Reed, I like a lot. And from getting to know him at the Top 100 camp, I've just always thought that he was going to go to Virginia, mm-hmm. uh, where the camp was held. But it sounds like like maybe things have shifted there a little bit. Um, when I think of Charles Bediaco, I, I think of the fact that, that, that Michigan has had some pretty good luck with with some players from Canada so maybe that will continue as well and then also Hunter Dickinson as a freshman as excited as I am to have him wearing maize and blue I think he hurts Michigan's ability to recruit an elite five-star because you know if I'm Efton Reed or Charles Bediaco am I thinking all right if if um if I come there Hunter Dickinson he's a really good player. He could be there for three years. You never know. And do I really want to go and, and, you know, compete just to get on the court? Mm -hmm. I I don't know. What do you think?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting point. Uh, I think that, you know, what, what Juwan is, is kind of pushing is that, look, man, uh, you know, I've been a part of a team where you had two bigs that, uh, we're on the floor at the same time," he said. "Just, just look at, look at my history. Uh, look at what what Chris and I were able to do. Uh, you know, I think that he, uh, you know, the 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 high low game, the traditional, uh, you know, the traditional aspects of, of of play when you have bigs, and certainly when you have two bigs. I think those are things that that he can emphasize. Is it a is it a limiting factor? when you're talking about guys that follow one another in the class, potentially, I haven't heard it be that to this point, but I acknowledge that it could be, Tim. I mean, if if they wind up missing on, on both of those guys, maybe that would be uh, one of the issues. But uh, as it stands, I think Joan has enough experience, both as a player uh, and certainly as a coach, to be able to say, hey, man, you know, we can all eat. We we can all yeah, eat this game. Yeah. It's enough. It's enough to go around for all of us. If if Michigan
0: does not get any of those elite five-star guys, once again, I have no problem taking a three or a four-star like a Franz or Isaiah Livers and develop them into a five-star. And then also I would imagine that that Juwan Howard has a list, the length of his arm of top prospect, big man that would love to come to Michigan. Um, a name that, that I'll point out is John Teske and, and he left with Xavier Simpson as the winningest player in program history. So if you surround a good big guy, maybe not an elite big guy, you can still win at the highest level. If you surround him with talent,
1: absolutely is the case. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that how that plays out, and I agree with you. It, it's way too soon. I, I actually did. I think Michigan had a shot uh, at Harrison Ingram. I, I did because I I felt like the academic athletic balance was on par with what he was what he was really looking for. At the same time, uh, I certainly <laughs> got a feel for the uh, the increased sort of availability <laughs> the greater uh, the, the greater number of minutes that would be available to him uh, elsewhere uh, definitely more crowded here when you talk about ball handlers and wings uh, and he's not I haven't heard anyone that, that caught Harrison Ingram a one and done or even a two and done for that mean two and done at the least uh, so you know a two to three year player and that being the case you know the the opportunity to to be featured more to have uh more of a or or less of a uh, of a interference with uh with the role that he sees carved out for himself i can see stanford having a greater appeal there so
0: yeah i i see that I, I am i admittedly have never seen harrison ingram play um i'm just saying that if i was a recruit and I'm thinking the most important thing to me is to get on the court and develop my skills and get a great education. I completely support going to Stanford. <laughs> right. Uh, um,
1: yeah. <laughs> right, um, right.
0: It's one of my favorite places in the world. Um, but I will say this, if I was looking at Michigan, I would say, gosh, if, if I go there and I'm not, I'm not you know, ready from the start. I know that they're always looking to upgrade their roster. Right. It's it's an NBA approach. You know, free agency and the draft every year, there's new guys coming in, and you better fight for minutes. And some guys aren't cut out for that. And and so maybe that went into Harrison Ingram's decision a bit.
2: Yeah,
1: could have well been the case. Uh, you know, we obviously, wish him luck out there at Stanford. We'll see how it goes. Uh, Michigan, meanwhile, courting. Uh, a number of players still left on their board. Uh, I mentioned Caleb Houston as a wing that uh, still figures very prominently uh, into the mix, as well as all those bigs. We'll continue to keep you up to speed and up to date on a lot of the 2021 basketball targets over the MichiganInsider.com. But I want to switch gears and talk about a young man that was part of a, <laughs> a really successful team, one of the most explosive athletes to ever put on a uniform. Uh, and now, Tim. Uh, In his post-college basketball career, still working to be a pro, to be an NBA player, uh, but also has a business venture that he's working on with a former teammate. And I'm talking about Charles Matthews.
0: I, I, um, I, I love to see guys that have diversified games on the court and then can diversify themselves off the court. My relationship with Charles goes back to when he was in high school. He was at the top 100 camp. I had read about him. I knew who he was, and we became friends. Uh, we, you know, we had meals together. We laughed. We joked. Um, I never expected that he was going to end up after, at Michigan after committing to Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I loved his career. We kept in touch, and then at the the pre-draft, we spent more time together. And man, he was tearing it up. NBA teams loved his versatility, his length, his defense. And then he tore his ACL and, and I think it's going to be one of the greatest things that ever happened to him because he's going to play in the NBA next year. And I think it's really forced him to, to, to get in the gym more, to work on his skills, to work on his perimeter game, and then also look towards the future because you're not going to play forever. And he's got a really interesting business model that I think is off to a really good start.
1: All right, great stuff. So how about this? We'll pause for the cause, get this uh, commercial break in, and then coming out of the break, we'll get into our conversation with Charles Matthews.
0: Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: And pleased to be joined now on the Michigan Basketball Insider by one of the most athletic players to ever wear the uniform, help Michigan make it to Monday night once again, talking about none other than Mr. Charles Matthews. Charles, how you doing, man?
2: Great, man. Thanks for having me back.
1: Yeah, I I, I think not only athletic but versatile
0: and tenacious and i am um, I, I remember last time we talked charles and it's really good to catch up with you i think it was right before christmas and yeah. you were rehabbing your acl tear and making some great progress give all the michigan fans a little update on
2: your knee and your game i'm i'm back now um uh, i can say it with full confidence in myself again uh it's been a long process long tedious process but it's happy to Kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, rehabbing is definitely a tough, lonely place, but I just continue to push, push through, and persevere. And like I said, I'm back. I'm back doing those bunks that you was asking me about. <laughs> I, I know you're
0: hungry. Just like I can hear your dog in the background. <laughs> um, no, you know, is oh, that oh, Sam's? No, no, no. Is that no, no, no. Sam? Yeah. <laughs> <be sure.
2: laughs>
0: So, so Charles, COVID has, has offered some challenges to you as well. You, you know, you're healthy, but there's nowhere to play. There's no summer league. Exactly. Um, there are restrictions for signing free agents that weren't in the NBA last year. How are you dealing with all the frustration?
2: You know, I, I guess it's definitely been unfortunate, but like, um, kind of the same way I just use my whole life to get through adversity, just kind of control, if you can control and just, stick to what you can do. So obviously it was unfortunate knowing that I couldn't sign an NBA for the remainder of this season due to the COVID restrictions and things of that nature. So I just try to find the silver light and everything. And I just say it gives me more time to continue to rehab my body, continue to get my mind strong, get my confidence all the way up again. And uh, by next season, I'll be fully ready to go.
1: And so what is the what is the process going to look like for you charles as, as far as you know getting that that nba nba opportunity i mean is it if there are teams that have been in contact with you saying that they're keeping an eye on you like what is it going to look like for you moving forward
2: yeah uh i've been in contact with several teams um basically like um like tim basically just said it was because of the covid guidelines that i wasn't able to you know sign the contract uh previously but Right now, it's just basically waiting for free agency, mm-hmm. whenever that is, and just seeing, you know, how let that, letting that take its course yeah, and that plays out.
1: Gotcha. All right. So I know though you have a business venture that's going on. We've yeah. already heard Xavier kind of talk about it. So tell us, tell us about the the players trunk, man. How that got started, what it is, and uh, if folks yeah. are interested, whether they be former players uh, that have things that they want to put with you, or or fans yeah. that are interested in purchasing purchasing some of the items. Tell us all about it.
2: So uh another Michigan manager, Jason Lansing, um, you know, he's like he's like my little brother, honestly. Um his family has been great to me. Um Jason knows my family as well. So when I was at Michigan, Jason knew that my locker was basically an open locker to his. Like you can go in there, and get whatever you want. But when the season would end, I asked Jason to sell a lot of my stuff. You know, I exhausted my eligibility. Obviously, I declared for the draft and things of that nature. So i was allowed and permitted to sell stuff and jason just took all he took it all from me and handled it all and um we was doing a lot of things on instagram a lot of people just reaching out to me trying to say i just want to say hi can you reply to me or i just want to meet up with you to shake your hand and say hi it was a lot of stuff like that it Mm -hmm. wasn't really legit buyers and the people that was buying it was only in michigan area so we was we was missing a whole big audience and um he came to me with the idea when Xavier, this most recent year, decided what well, he was done with his collegiate career, and he was selling some of his stuff, and he was kind of running to the same problems, I believe, and uh, that's kind of where this idea came about. That was the early stages, and now it's just, it's grown exponentially in these first two months, and uh, we're just trying to continue to take it to new heights. Hey
0: Charles, what does this look like nationally? Um, are other players around the country following
2: your lead? Are there other programs that are doing this as well? So I'm not I'm not too sure about what other companies are out there. Honestly, I always just focused on like being the best version of us and uh, like let everybody else follow what we got going on. But we've been having players from like every conference just about hit us up. Um, I know Michigan fans might not want to hear the Ohio State word or Michigan State word, but we have a lot of those players. <laughs> on the, we have a few of those players on the site, players from Notre Dame, uh, former um, Duke players, former Arizona players. Like We've been having a lot of great players come through, and uh, they're trying to continue to see it all grow.
1: Yeah, so Tim Tim is a former player. Let's let's role play for a minute. Tim is a guy. He was a standout at Michigan his yeah, career look, is over. Let me, let me let me take some of his stuff
2: off his hands.
0: Right, 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 <laughs> right, right. So, <laughs> uh, come on. Charles, when I played, we got two pair of shoes, one pair I of practice is. gear. We, we we got we got very little. So I don't I don't think there's a whole lot to be made off my stuff. Yeah, but, but let's say but let's
1: say Tim did, Charles. Let's say he had some things that he wanted to put on the player's trunk. How would he do that? How would he get in contact with you guys? And then for me, as a uh, as a patron, as a fan, I want to buy some things. I want to buy some, you know, a Charles Matthews jersey. I want to buy, you know, a, one of X's, you know, a pair of shoes from X. How how can I see what, what you guys have to offer on the player's trunk? Where would I go?
2: Okay, so I'm going to answer your question first as uh, the potential buyer, correct? Right, right. So, so we've honestly, we've been doing a lot of countdowns recently. So a lot of fans like we have a newsletter that we send out updates to the fans. We have an Instagram page at the player's trunk. We have a Twitter page at the player's trunk and Facebook. But we've been doing these countdowns. They kind of let fans stay on board and see exactly when the player items are dropping because it has been high demand that a lot of these items are selling out as soon as they hit as soon as we like release them on the website. So we've been doing these countdowns and things of that nature, and just the other day we had somebody send. They have three computers up and running, refreshing, waiting for Xavier's stuff to drop. So, like I said, you can just visit the playerstrunk.com and you'll be able to see a list of these players' items, and um, you can search their favorite, your favorite players, and if they're on the site, they have their own individual trunk, and uh, you can just purchase anything from their item. You know with um with name image and likeness
0: changes coming in college basketball yeah. do you think that there's a time when college players, maybe even next year will be able to you know get done with the game and and sell their jersey and 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 other memorabilia shoes right. during the
2: season and get that that instant payment Man, I'm hoping so. Honestly, uh, I know jerseys probably that wouldn't be something till the season's over with, just because that's something that they're gonna obviously have like such limited amount to, and they have to continue to use for the next game. But I'm I'm hoping so, um, especially after after going through an injury like mine and being removed away from the game, uh, it's a lot of players that might not have a chance to play professionally at all throughout their careers, but they still can maximize this time while they're at the collegiate level and profit off of the all the hard work that they have contributed to a lot of these universities. So if NCAA passed that rules, I would be like well I'll say I we would be more than willing to welcome in all these uh current college players as well.
1: Yeah. So that that that, that really leads to just to rewind it real quick a little bit, Tim, the 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 question that I had earlier about if right. Tim has, you know, some gear that he wants to put on the player's trunk, yeah. How how would he do that? And then like, what, what's the percentage? How does it break down between what Tim gets and what you guys get? Right, so
2: so you can honestly go right to the, to our Instagram page and you can either DM us or we can reach out to you. But if you don't want to go through the Instagram, we have a player sign up on the website and we can reach out to you as well. And uh, one thing that makes us kind of different from a lot of other companies that we are like a one-stop shop. So you send us all of your items at one time And then we take the hassle out of it. So we're doing all the shipping. We're doing all the communicating with the customers and things of that nature. We're listing all the items for you. We're taking all the pictures. It's not like every time something sells, you have to go ship it to the post office or you have to go get the tracking information or anything like that. So you ship the items to us one time. We list your trunk. We're in contact. One of the team members are in contact with you discussing prices and things of that nature. And then every time something sells, you get paid immediately quick and easy process
0: man Charles I see all these years we've known each other I, I knew you were smart but I didn't know you were an <laughs> entrepreneur and and think about this the NBA might be like your your moonlighting secondary career <laughs> if this thing takes off my my, uh, my final question is so what about Sam Webb like like some of his um his his sneakers that he wore during his show or a WTK <laughs> microphone
2: you, that might open up a whole new market man <laughs> yes, uh, I we, we don't we haven't had any commentator trunks or anything like that but or media related trunks we have we have a lot of manager trunks a lot of managers done list a lot of their items on the website as well so i got to get back to you on that as of now we don't have a place with no commentaries. Uh, so far. <laughs> no, it's good. Cause,
0: you know, not recently my wife went through the closet. And she she got rid of some of my old sport coats and a couple sweatshirts. You know, rather than take it to Salvation Army, I I might I might call you up on this. This this could be good.
2: Yeah, and you know, like years, <laughs> um, even if like so you said the Salvation Army, right? Let's say you are a pro- professional athlete, former professional athlete, you can put things on the site, and we can. We can donate it to charity on your behalf. That's like, great. Even if somebody, like, let's say you had a long, lengthy NBA career. Financially, you might not have the same responsibilities as or needs as a current college athlete that don't make as much money. We can still list either, a lot of those old items. We can do an auction for it, and then all of those proceeds can go to charity if you would like to. So... Even if you did donate to Salvation Army, we can still make sure it's going in a good faith direction. Also, all
1: right. So, Charles, I got a, I got a couple of questions for you before we let you go. Just about your yeah. your perspective on a couple of things. We talked to Jace Howard recently, and he mentioned uh, a few summers back that he worked out with you. Obviously, he's about to start his Michigan career, but I'm curious yeah. what you remember about working out with him. What you thought of his game. What you think of him as a as a player, and how he's going to develop as a as a Michigan Wolverine. Jace Howard, uh,
2: Coach Jawan Howard's son, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, so I've actually known Jace for. So Jace used to live in Miami. If I'm not well, obviously his dad was the coach with the Heat. But I would be in Miami working out a lot in the summertime as well. And um, we both had the same trainer, Remy. And uh, I remember I would see Jace in the gym, and I think Jace came up to Michigan one time. On like it wasn't a visit, but he was there for a camp, and I was able Mm -hmm. to talk to him as well. And, I, and this is before Juwan was a coach. And I just remember him as just like a sponge. Like, you can tell on some players, like, some players kind of just like to be around, just to say they're around better players, but you can, some players actually want to learn mm-hmm. and like really want to just take what you have and try to drop a few gems on him. So I remember him as being such a sponge and being just like, like really. Like I don't want to say a junkyard dog, but like a person that just—you could tell—Winning is at the forefront for his mindset.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, uh, when when I when I did see him play in the camp as well, it was just—he diving on the floor, um, he getting out in transition. Guys like that, you always find a way on a team because those are the things that it might not be as glamorized, but he, he they do whatever can, they do whatever it can to help the team win. So I got a lot of respect for him. Obviously, I have a lot of respect for his father as well. So um, I'm happy to see that he is following his father's footsteps attending Michigan, and uh, I'm always rooting for us, no matter what.
1: Yeah, I man, that's one of those game-recognized game sort of uh, comments yeah, because, exactly. you know, you you what you just laid out is what everyone who watches Jace play, they, they talk about that, that he's that guy that's going to do whatever it is you need, dive on the floor, play some defense, get a rebound, score, yeah whatever you need whatever gap you need him to fill in that's what he's going to do i'm also curious charles you as a as a as a player i mean one of the yeah. things that we see both on the college and the pro levels we see guys using their platforms to speak out about issues that matter to them now yeah. more than ever i mean it's louder more especially in the nba the nba is really setting the tone if Not you will sure. so I'm, I'm curious what you what you think about that because it, it, it feels like guys are are no longer willing to say hey if it affects me personally if it affects right. my earning potential i'm not going to do it guys seem to be saying hey it doesn't matter if it costs me a fan or if it costs yeah. me an endorsement i'm going to say what needs to be said how about that
2: yeah well i i have to give kudos to players such as like lebron james and like a lot of you see a lot of people like him, Steven Jackson, things of that nature, Chris Paul, because they've gave they've given players like us so much more confidence. And um I know they say that well those guys make hundreds of million dollars, it, it doesn't matter what that they lose out. But it wasn't the fact it was the fact that the matter that they were willing to put it all on the line as well. And um uh, these have always been issues and topic that hit close to home for all of us. Um because of the fact that the matter is we've been able to kind of escape reality due to our athletic abilities. Mm-hmm. But when we take the jersey off or if it's a team where you don't know who we are because of that, we kind of face the same problems. And like I said, you, you hear the word white privilege a lot, but I'm no I'm not oblivious to the fact that we have an athlete privilege. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And we're able to kind of get it like I'm able to – relationship with guys like you because of my athletic ability. I'm able to attend Michigan for athletic ability, but it's not so much for me, but it's so much for my cousins, my mm-hmm. brothers, my uncles, like a lot of my friends that we all grew up in the same neighborhood and they are in a completely different trajectory. And they have to deal with police brutality on a day-to-day basis. They basically have to deal with racism and systemic racism. So the fact that I do have a larger audience I do have a platform I just want to continue to raise awareness. Um, I'm extremely young still, so I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the solutions, but I'm trying, and uh, I'm just using what I can. If I can just make this world a 1% better than what I came on, came into it as when I do leave the world, I'm, I'm happy with that, and I'm just trying to continue to impact each other's lives in a better way. Regardless of race, regardless of gender, regardless of sex, Like, I, I can care less about all of that. Like, I'm just trying to peace amongst everyone. Wow. Charles. Th- well thank, thank
0: you for saying that. And I, I smile every time we talk because I, I like the fact that our, 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 fans, our Michigan fans can find out that, that there's so much depth to you that, that maybe they don't know if they watch you play, you know, you, you, oh, you've got, it. you've got a lot going on. And, and I also want to say this, that, that someday down the road, we're going to have you back on this maybe five, six years from now. And we're going to point to the fact that, you know, your, your career has taken off and you've become an elite player based on the struggles that you're going through right now with your knee. And, and, you know, if you would just gone to the league and you would have been in everything would have been easy, I don't think you would have ever appreciated um, the success you're going to have, but you've got that junkyard attitude because you know, because of what you've gone through, and you're going to earn this thing. So,
2: and you're going to make us proud. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Yeah, Appreciate already,
1: that. already proud, Charles. Just, just remember <laughs> us, man. When you, when you blow up even more, on, uh, being on the corner yeah, with the players' truck. Make sure you remember on, us, man.
2: man. I can never, I can never forget where I
1: came from. Never forget that, man. And, and before you go, tell people about I'm the players' trunk I'm one surprised. more time. Tell them about the players' trunk surprised one
2: more time. Tim has. I'm surprised Tim hasn't blocked me. How many times <laughs> I don't reach out the <laughs>
0: <back>? <laughs> I would, to would, Why would I block a friend? I would never you, do
2: that. <laughs> can you assist me in this? Can you help me in that? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: always glad to help, Charles.
1: Hey, <laughs> hey, Charles, one more time with the Players Trunk, man. Tell the, tell the folks again how they can find you.
2: Yeah, so uh, you can follow us on all your social medias um, at The Players Trunk. Um, the website is ThePlayersTrunk.com. And I uh, also just want to give a huge shout out to all the team members, um, me and Xavier play basketball so obviously a lot of people know us on the first name basis so shout out jason lanson shout out austin pomerantz shout out hunter Pomerance. you know we're a team and uh, i just want to kind of let
1: everybody name shine as well throughout it all great stuff thanks a lot charles appreciate you man all thanks love. charles all Yep. and that was a great conversation with charles matthews again i just mentioned how he is one of the most athletic players, one of the most explosive players to ever, to ever don the maize and blue. And Tim, I got to ask you though. I mean, inquiring minds want to know this business venture that, that X and Charles uh, that they have, that they've put together, the player's trunk. Do you have any, you know, any old gear, any old shoes, jerseys that you're going to put in the player's (laughs) trunk?
0: Sam, let me tell you early in the quarantine, my wife sent me up into the attic and said, you have got all this old stuff up here. You've got to go through it, sort it out. And, and, you know, I, I, I went up there and I, I had a, a box marked Michigan gear and they gave us so little equipment in the eighties, the like, like one pair of sweatpants per year, a pair of short two t-shirts. My, my sweatpants had holes in them. I wore them so much. There were no old shoes. I um, I could maybe get eight to $10 for all the stuff that I had throughout my entire freshman year. But the players today, man, they get a lot of gear. They probably get 15 pair of shoes and all kinds of sweats and hoodies. And it's, Oh, I, wow. I'm happy for them. That's, that's, that's a, that's a cool business venture. We appreciate Charles joining us and we wish him the best luck and make sure if if you want, check out some of this stuff and, and you know, help pay back Charles, and it's kind of a an interesting topic because with the new name, image, likeness, that players are going to have a chance to cash in a little bit. Um, this is sort of a, a preemptive strike by Charles and, and his company.
1: Well, for for guys that play at these at these Nike schools, especially, and I'm not quite sure how it works at Adidas or Under Armour schools, but you know, the Nike does these these PEs, these player exclusives where. You know, these limited edition shoes, these these Jordans where they're only made for members of the team. And so if these guys, whether they wear the shoes or not, but uh, certainly if they don't wear them, the the amount of money that they can get, I mean, the th- in the thousands of dollars. Uh, and I imagine if they don't wear them and they hold on to them for a while, you might be able to get into the tens of thousands for... Uh, you know, for, you know, swag like that. So it'll be interesting. I think this is an outstanding concept and business venture that is set to, I think, just take off from here. So great, 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 uh, I think, business mind and business plan that came together by two of our favorite Wolverines to do it. But I'm curious, Tim, before we let you go, I got to thinking, listening to you earlier in the show, talking about how, you know riley and spolstra the 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 culture that has that is imprinted upon anyone that comes through the heat organization and by extension Jawan howard kind of bringing that to to michigan and i i'm curious about pat riley's influence in in particular are there is there any aspect in your experience having known Pat Riley and seen Pat Riley over the years, any aspects specifically that you can tie to him that we may be able to see in Jawan or see in, in some of the things that he's doing here at Michigan?
0: Well, good, good question. Insightful for sure. And I, I want to share something that I do that I think is pretty unique and it goes directly to Pat Riley. When I watch a game, I spend a lot of time watching the bench on both squads, I, I watch. You know who's sitting together, who's engaged, who's up cheering, and it goes back to 1991. Um, so Pat Riley had just taken over the Knicks after coaching the Lakers to great success, and and about two weeks into the season, we were struggling a little bit, and and he um he called a meeting, and so all of the Knicks players walked into. A ballroom at the Ritz-Carlton. And the, there were there were 15 chairs that were set up and they were all kind of like separated and they were face to face. So the, the the thing is, we, we were really confused. And Pat Riley said, guys, here's the biggest problem that our team is having. We are being destroyed by Nick's clicks. <laughs> and we were a little bit confused. And and he said, we don't play as a group. We, we play as individual cliques. And, and so he said, Patrick, you and Mark Jackson go sit in those two chairs right there. And it was really uncomfortable because they were sitting, knees touching, they were that close, like right in each other's face. And he sent John Starks and Gerald Wilkins and Charles Oakley to a, a trio of chairs in, in another corner. And, and he sent Anthony Mason over by himself, Tiki Vandeway and I were sent over to some other chairs and he said, I watch when you guys are on the bus, you sit with the same guys. You sit on the bench with each other. You, you, you shoot around together. You go to movies together. This team operates in silos and we'll never reach our potential until we can get everybody getting to know each other, spending time together eating meals together and he said so on this road trip your job don't worry about basketball your job is to get to know other guys mm. and 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 so he specifically told Kiki Vandeweghe and I I see you guys sit together every single game every single minute that you're on the bench i don't want you sitting together anymore and <laughs> so i um i found myself you know going out To lunch with with greg anthony Mm -hmm. spending time with anthony mason going to a movie with patrick ewing getting to know other people and 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 the the positivity and the body language on the bench is something that i found is so incredibly valuable and it's the mark of a really good team and franchise and and i am completely convinced at watching Michigan play last year, I thought that their body language on the bench was much better than the previous year. And I think that that Pat Riley's influence on Eric Spolstra, Eric Spolstra's influence on Juwan Howard, taught him the value of making sure everybody is equal, everybody is engaged, and you stay away from the clicks. Get to know everybody, and you'll have a better team.
1: Man, that is some great stuff. So here's what I want to know, Tim: Between John Starks, Charles Oakley, Xavier McDaniel, and Anthony Mason, did you learn how to throw a good elbow, man? <laughs> <laughs> so
0: that's actually that's actually a really funny funny lead-in because I I watched um, Char- Charles Charles Oakley is a good guy, and I watched him on Dancing with the Stars, and you know he. He didn't have a lot of finesse in his game when he played and he doesn't have a lot of finesse in his dancing. But when um when I got traded to New York, I was I was covering Charles Oakley in practice every single day and he was just beating the heck out of me. He's so physical, he's <laughs> relentless throwing elbows and and you know we we didn't like each other, we didn't talk and 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 all of a sudden, you know, a couple of weeks in I, um, I thought he, he cheap shot me and I kind of swung my arm around and I hit him above the eye with my forearm and just split his eye open. And he, there was blood everywhere and they kind of helped him off and he gave me a look like, okay, tomorrow you die. <laughs> <laughs> and so the, the next day I, um, I came in and there was Oakley and, and he, um, he, he walked up to me and I thought, Okay. I guess we're going to fight. <laughs> and, and so he said, Hey, Tim, have you seen the new Sylvester Sloan movie? And, and it caught me off guard. I said, yeah, I liked it. What do you, what'd you think? We started talking about it. And from that point on, we were really good friends.
1: You earned and, his respect. You earned his respect. I, by,
0: by, by hitting him, I earned his respect. And he thought, okay, You know, Tim might not be the toughest guy in the league. He's not as tough as Xavier McDaniel, but I I can trust him. I can go to war with him. And that's my favorite Charles Oakley story. (laughs)
1: It's a great story. But, if I mean, people talk about the Pistons, the the bad boys. That Knicks team, listen to the guys that I just laid out, Oakley, Starks, McDaniel, and Mason. There weren't more, we'll just call them physical. We won't say dirty. We'll just say physical. There there wasn't a more physical group of players in the NBA. And I'll add the Pistons to that mix.
0: No, Anthony Mason was the player I always thought was most likely to be able to play in the NFL. <laughs> he he could have been he could have been a defensive end. He he was so athletic and tough and physical and strong. That Knicks team was really tough.
1: Absolutely. Well, Tim, hey, they tried to mess with you. Uh, and Charles Oakley tried to punk you, and you said, "Hey, ah, take that, Charles." <laughs> and you wound That's up right, earning Sam. his respect. Be, be
0: careful! Be careful when you hang around me, Sam. <laughs> you, just, you just never know. Hey, man, I
1: feel even safer hanging around you now, Tim. Absolutely. <laughs> well, hey, as always, my friend, the, the podcast is a true joy. I appreciate you. I appreciate the 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 fact that we are so close to the season. Uh, that you predicted would be here. I I did kind of lose a little faith there for a minute, thinking that everything in the fall was going to be canceled, but you turned out to be right. And so we're getting ever so close uh, to the start of the basketball season, but the football season is even closer. So we'll be here uh, to bring you up to it and certainly talk more Michigan basketball on the Michigan Basketball Insider.